listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. Uh, we're at the beginning of our study through Galatians. Last week we looked at the book through the lens of Paul, who's the author of the letter of the book of the, uh, to the church of Galatia. And, and we, we talked about this last week, and almost everybody knows it. Paul went from being a Pharisee to and persecuting Christians to then converting, being converted to believing in Jesus. And then he's by, by being struck blind by God on the way to Damascus. That's what we talked about last week. We also said a lot of people don't think about, he also right after that, went to Arabia, where he was instructed by God uh, for three years. And during that time, God basically deconstructs his whole belief system, which taught him what it really meant to follow God, opposed to what he had been doing for most of his life, thinking he was following God, but not even getting close. So let's, but the story doesn't end here. So let's jump back into the story today to see what God had in store for Paul, but also the church at Galatia. Let's look at our passage for today, uh, and that's going to be in Galatians 2, 15 through 21. If you have your Bibles, if not, we have it printed for you in the order of worship. Uh, I would say this, um, I, would, I would encourage you to bring your Bibles, even if you follow along with the order of worship, because there's so much more of these stories than we really get to go into. And it would give you a good reference point of where these stories are in the Bible if you're not used to reading the, uh, the, the, the stories of the Bible. So I just encourage you to do that. Um, I think it would be helpful. Uh, it's, it's helpful for me. So let's look at our verse, uh, verses for the day. This is Paul speaking. It says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith. Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus, Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live in God, to God. Verse 20 says this, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I live in the flesh, I live in faith now in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ then died for no purpose. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, um, help us to understand this passage today. Um, may you give me the words uh, to clarify and explain not what I want you, uh, these uh, folks to hear this morning, but what, what you want them to hear. Uh, may you open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So after we looked at this story last week about Paul, believe it or not, it gets even uh, more interesting. Paul leaves Arabia 
And after he's trained by God, he's experiencing a lot of success in planting churches. The problem is, it's not in the Jewish communities, it's in the non-Jewish communities outside of those areas. But he's been spreading this good news for quite a few years now. And then he goes to Jerusalem, where some of the original disciples that were there with Jesus are actually taking over as the spiritual authorities where the Pharisees had the power before. Remember that when Jesus was teaching and preaching, he was going and it was the Pharisees that had the power. There's been a power shift now in this. And specifically, some of Jesus' disciples, Peter, James, and John, were there as the spiritual leaders now. This is a big transition in Jerusalem. So Paul comes up to Jerusalem. And we've already heard this last week where they were talking about Paul in relation to uh, the other false teachers that came in. Like, why are y'all believing Paul? He's not even one of the 12 apostles. So Paul has all these things in the back of his mind that he needs to go to Jerusalem and make sure that he's on the same page. And so he goes up there. First of all, he brings Barnabas, his right-hand man. And then he brings one of the church players with him called Titus, who's actually a Greek. And here's the reason why, because for Paul, this could be a test case, and it is a test case. See, Paul's been spreading the good news all around and planting these churches all outside of Jerusalem, and he wants to make sure that the apostles of Jesus are on the same page that he is, because he remembers the things he used to think, and he's hoping that that's not Jerusalem anymore. And so the conversation goes like this, Paul, and Paul's walking up, he has Barnabas on one side, and, and, and Titus, the Greek, on the other side. And he says this, goes something like this, Paul says then, God's plans, remember, isn't this right? God's plans and message, it's not just for the Jewish people anymore, it's for everyone, right? And they're like, yes. And his next question, is the good news, the gospel, really for everyone? including my friend Titus here, who's also a Greek and not a Jew, and they say, yes. Last question from Paul. Very important question. Just to clarify, before I leave Jerusalem, just to clarify, are we going to treat Jews and non-Jews the very same, even if they're not following the Jewish customs? Specifically, for instance, circumcision. And they say, yes. We're going to treat them all the same. But then, in the next passage in Galatia, and you can go back and read this, this passage before this, the next passage, not long after that, the one person that Paul thought was going to be on his side kind of betrays him. See, later on, Peter and Paul are in a place called Antioch, and they're enjoying a party, a great feast. But then some of the bigwigs from Jerusalem come up, and they show up, and, and, and Peter's kind of a little embarrassed that he's eating with people that are not Jews, that are not circumcised, that are not following the customs and the purification laws that they had. And he kind of slips away from them a little bit when all these big weeks from Jerusalem come up, pretending like, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't really a part of that group. I'm just happy to be here, and they are too. I mean, let me help you understand the, the situation here. This would be like when we throw at Mardi Gras party, that we throw every year in, in the block party in my neighborhood. 
and we have all these neighbors that come outside of our church and we have our church people there like we always do it's coming up February 13th what Holly talked about and we're all having a great time the neighbors are all there some people are drinking some people are smoking and some people are saying a few off-colored words and, and, it, and it's like it is a lot of time just an interesting beautiful mess and then some of the pastors maybe from the area come they show up and I start saying, ah, oh, man, what are they going to think about me? I'm, I'm a little worried about it. They're going to think I'm a part of doing everything they are, which I probably would be. Um, but then I kind of distance myself and act like I'm not really a part of the group. That's exactly what Peter did. And this is exactly why Paul confronted him and called him out in front of everyone. Now, why was this such a big deal to Paul? Why was he standing there pointing his finger at one of the, the, the biggest leaders in Jerusalem at the time? Why is this so important to him? Well, we're about to see in the following passages today, we're going to look at three points. First of all, we're going to talk about, what are we talking about here? We're talking about justification by faith alone. We're going to talk about uh, justification by Christ alone. And then we're going to talk about the idea, as a result, resting in Jesus. So let's talk about this idea of justification by faith alone. Verse 15, uh, Paul says, uh, We ourselves Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believe in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. When Paul says this idea like we are Jews by birth, talking about himself, and not Gentile sinners, he's not being condescending here, but he is being sarcastic. He's talking about the folks that are, he's talking to the folks that are, that are not Jewish, and he's saying, okay, some of us are Jews by birth. We all view ourselves as Jews at some point, God's chosen people, right? And he's saying, listen, if you in Galatia are feeling the tension between people like me, that are perceived to be the good Jewish folks, and you get the impression that you're the lesser thans, that we are the Jews and, and you're the Gentile sinners. Paul says, if you're understanding that way, it's time to blow that understanding up. It was never a part of God's plan. Even though all his plan wasn't revealed, it was never a part of his plan. And Jesus, God's own son, never said that, never taught that, that it was justification by the law. The Jews had turned that into something that it wasn't. Matter of fact, the most condemning words, if you look back, that Jesus had to say were not to sinners. It was to the religious Jewish folks that thought they had it all together. Paul says we're all on a level ground here because it's not about rules or laws or some kind of checklist of do's and don'ts. It's about faith. And it's about where you put that faith. Are you going to have faith in yourself and your ability to do all the right things, or are you putting your faith in Jesus and what he did? Now, we talked a lot about that last week. We won't keep going, but this is going to be a recurring theme in Galatia. But let's move on here, uh, verse 2. Not only by faith alone, but faith in Christ, which means Christ alone. Verse 17, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners, then Christ Men, is he a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. But through the law I died 
to the law so that we might live to God. Okay, this passage can be hard to understand. Don't get too bogged down here. The, the, the last, verse 19 is really the summary of this. Don't overthink it. Paul's instructing the Galatians here, uh, but correcting the Jews who also came in as false teachers here, and he's saying the good news of Jesus puts us all in the same category. Here's what we mean here. This is really so important to our church. We talk about it all the time. If you're going to be around our church any given time, you've got to understand this. The Jews are better, no better off than anybody else. Neither are you, neither am I. Paul's saying we're all messed up sinners. Paul is stating that if the Jewish leaders and the teachers don't understand that they're just as broken and they're just as sinful as everyone else, they are missing the point. The same is true of you and me. If we fail to see that there's no difference between the people in this room and the heroin users downtown and the meth users in the rural areas around us right now, if you don't see that we're exactly the same, if we think we're better than that because of a few decisions or some things that we did right, we are missing the gospel big time. Okay, so maybe you had more opportunities than some people. Maybe you made some better decisions than some people. Who do you think, by His grace, gave you the ability to do that? Who do you think gave you that? See, everything is a gift from God, not because of who you are, and not because of what you're doing, but a gift of God in spite of who you are and what you're doing. Let me repeat that one more time. Everything is a gift from God, not because of who you are, and not because of what you're doing, but in spite of who you are and what you've done. See, all good things are from the Father and are given out of grace, not because you and I have earned it. Paul said he died to the mindset of trying to carve his own way. He died to the mindset of trying to work everything out on his own. Why? Because he truly wanted the freedom to live. Because he knew without faith in God's grace, it would all be up to him. Think about it that way. If it really is you, it's all up to you. That is a bondage that Paul said he's so glad he's free from. Jesus came to release us from that bondage. I don't want to live in that bondage. I hope you don't want to live in that bondage. I hope you're not living in that bondage where you think everything's up to you. Which brings us to our last point, resting in Jesus alone. Verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is not longer I, I, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. See, Paul's saying this. All the former things that he was a part of, living, trying to follow the law, trying to obey it, like he, he, he knew he, he really wasn't, he, he knew his heart couldn't do it. The bondage that he had about just it all being up to him, he said, like Jesus, I gave it all up. See, he said, I died like Jesus did. Jesus gave it all up to come down and be a servant and a baby and to die for us. This is what it means to die with Jesus, but it's not what you think. It's the total opposite in some ways of what you think. Here's the thing, here's the lie that we've been told in Christianity a lot. See, think of it this way. In Paul's former life, he was trained as a master teacher. He was brilliant, 
He was charismatic. He was a strong leader. He was a man of passion. And he worked his tail off to accomplish his goals, but in all the wrong ways. See, we tend to think that when we become a believer, we become less of a person than we were before. No, no, no. That's not what happens. It's just the opposite. Yes, Paul gave up everything. His credentials in the Jewish community, his power, his authority. He used to call the shots. But now, he's had to start over. But he's better for it. He's still charismatic. He's still brilliant. He's still a strong leader. He still has his passion. Think about it. The call to be a believer in Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, is a call to give up everything to God momentarily. But think about it. But only momentarily. Think about it. God converted Paul in such a way that he broke him as a person. Took him off his pedestal. Knocked him off his horse, literally. Only then to take all his abilities and all his talents to be used in a better way, a more purposeful way. Not less human, more human at that point. The call of God is not taking away your passions and your gifts and your ability. It's a reorientation. The call to be crucified with Jesus is a call to give over everything over to God so he can, after that, make you more human than you were made to be and not less. Whatever you're good at today, whatever you're passionate about, Maybe those things have become an idol. Maybe you've been relying on those too much in your life. Give them to God because I guarantee you this, He's going to give them back in a way you didn't imagine and it's going to be better and you're going to be better for it. And not just use it for yourself, but use it for those around you. Be able to serve those and people around you that, in a way that you never could before. Let me kind of end with this. Paul says in this passage, if we can do it on our own, and you saw that last verse there, we can do it on our own. If we think we can, if God just gave us all these commandments and said, do it, and it was just about trying harder, then why would we need Jesus? Paul said, he died for no purpose. If you can do it on your own, why did Jesus die? What Paul was to remind us of is Jesus gave up everything so we don't have to. When Jesus died for us, he became more, not less. He didn't stay in the grave as a human being. Only. He was resurrected. He was glorified. And now he's ruling at the right hand of a father, and he wants something similar to us. So here at the end of the sermon, let me ask you a couple questions. Are you tired of doing it on your own? Are you tired of feeling the feeling that you are just doing everything you can only to continually feel unproductive or unsatisfied or maybe burn out or maybe taking three steps backwards? Then welcome to the club. You know how I many people in here feel exactly the same thing? But Jesus wants to take that off of you. There's more to life than what we're living right now. There's a deeper life of thriving and flourishing. When the world around you is crumbling, there's a life of using your gifts to experience joy and peace and contentment and meaning, a reorientation from just working hard but taking those things and seeing what God can do with those resting in Jesus and being used by the Father to be the person that you were always made to be that made you, the person that made you the way you are. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the words that you give us in Scripture. Um, when we, uh, we just look at the mystery of how you sent your Son 
to uh, down the cross uh, for our sins and, and how you uh, have worked in our lives. And, uh, just help us to remember that Lord, you're, you're calling us to more life than we can imagine, not less. When you say give it up, Lord, you're asking us to just put it in your hands. Not so you can take it away from us, but as a good father to help us use it well, to refine it, to guide us, to be more purposeful and meaningful. And not in the way we work, but the way we live, and the way we love, and the way we use our imaginations. Lord, we just pray that you would help us to, to understand what that means. Send your spirit upon us to help us make the changes that we need to make. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.